Today we're going to track into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where we're really continuing a series in 1 Corinthians. We've been studying kind of line by line, doing some expository preaching for some time. And uh, as we've studied through 1 Corinthians thus far, um, we can acknowledge together that there have been some tough topics that we've addressed Uh, some complex uh, sections of Scripture as far as understanding and application. And as we continue, starting today through the end of the chapter, or through the end of the the book of 1 Corinthians, I just want to say it doesn't necessarily get any easier. And uh, there are new insights. And uh, this week in particular, um, I've kind of struggled. Uh, I've I've read 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, and 14, you know, probably, you know, I mean, 20, 30, 40 times, I don't know. Uh, I mean, just over and over in my life and even in the series and uh, read again the assignment that we gave to everybody to read 12, 13, and 14 together. I did that myself. And each time there are new insights, new truths, or questions that have been coming up. And uh, in the office, we've been kind of talking back and forth saying, okay, you know, what is the Lord really saying here? Or I never saw it this way. How does this apply? And we want to bring some of those truths over the next few weeks. Well, as we move into 14, what happens here is now the discussion is really based on spiritual gifts and how they are communicated. And really, we're going to focus on three of the spiritual gifts, prophecy, tongues, and then interpretation of tongues. And what we're going to see is that we, under, we realize that communication is absolutely important. In fact, I ran across this illustration, wanted to share this this morning, and uh, it was a guy, uh, a man in a locker room at his lunch break uh, at the gym, and uh, all of a sudden the phone rings, and uh, he hits it hands-free because he's getting ready, and so everybody that's around could hear. And uh, what's interesting, as soon as he picked it up, he says, hello, a lady on the other side says, honey, is that you? Are you at the club? And he, he's like, yes, it, yeah. And, uh, he's, and so she just goes right into She says, okay, I'm at the mall, and uh, there's a dress that I want, and uh, I know it's a little expensive. It's $1,000. Is it okay if I buy this $1,000 dress? And the guy says, well, it's okay with me. She says, "By while we're talking about it, I stopped at the dealership on the way to the mall today in that Mercedes that we've had our eye on. I got them down to $95,000. It's a C-class. And, and uh, he says, well, for that price, make sure it's got every single option. And she says, great. And one more thing. You know that house we wanted last year, we had our eye on, went off the market. It's back on the market today. Just today, $950,000. I called, I called our agent he says, well, great. Well, maybe offer $900,000. She says, great. Love you, honey. See you later. Hangs up the phone. And the guy's just standing there, and everyone's looking around like, what just happened? Everyone's like in awe, like, man, this guy is something. And the guy that answered the phone, he picks up the phone. He says, does anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> How many know sometimes when it comes to communication, you might be saying something, And the people hearing may be hearing something totally different, and we got to make sure that we are communicating well. And that's really the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, we're going to get to the overall theme here in a moment, but today we're going to take a slow start in 14, and we're going to look at the value of speaking in tongues. The value of speaking in tongues. And I understand that this is not a message 
that is heard in most churches across America, especially on Sunday mornings. Even in a Pentecostal church, it'll be reserved to a Wednesday night or maybe a Sunday night or a special class. And we do it in, in Connect 101. We talk about the, uh, speaking in tongues. But, but I believe that it's critical for us to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including tongues. And like verse 29 says, that we need to weigh carefully what is said and what is done. We, it's our responsibility, church, to be evaluating. So I gave you an assignment to read 12, 13, and 14. If you haven't done it, we're not going to test you, but I would encourage you to do that. And you could do that every week for the next couple of weeks, and that would be great. In chapter 12, you see that the spiritual gifts are visited, and there's a diversity that's argued for within the spiritual gifts. In chapter 13, the gifts are, are we talk about the gifts without love are a zero. They are meaningless. And in chapter 14, is really not about tongues, what we're going to talk about today it's not the primary focus. The overall theme of 14 is Paul limiting the gifts, putting some parameters around spiritual gifts because there were two concerns. The first was that there was an understanding issue. In, for, in uh, 1 through 25, we're going to see that. And uh, the importance that when the gifts are used, that they're understood. The second, in uh, 26 through 40, is that there was an order issue. That within the church, there were things that were out of order. And there were some abuses in Corinth. And we'll talk about that as we track through. But today, like I mentioned, I want to start by looking at speaking in tongues, the value or the benefit of tongues. And it's indirectly in the first five verses in chapter 15 that we're going to do that. Now, um, I just want to say, if you're a guest with us, uh, which you know, we got a few guests with us or people that haven't been with us very long, I want you to know that this is not all we talk about at a Pentecostal church, all right? <laughs> you show up, you're like, oh, I told you, honey. Uh, but I want you to know, I want you to know that we do believe it's important, okay? And we're certainly not afraid to talk about it. The second thing is that speaking in tongues is not unbiblical, and I believe it's not outdated. By far, most scholars confirm that tongues, or the, in the Greek, it's uh, glossolalia is the term, uh, was, was common, was very common in the New Testament church. And I would submit that there's not a single verse that suggests that tongues are not for today. And we're going to argue that. We're going to look and we're going to, and it's interesting that as I've been studying, I've been studying those that would say, no, it's not for today. And I would study those that say yes. And, and, and we're working through that. And I also understand that there's a lot of churches that don't allow for or include this particular idea of, of this gift, speaking in tongues, within the theology of their worship centers or their their churches and so my my challenge to us is to search the scriptures for ourselves okay to examine scripture carefully and uh, don't just come on sunday morning and hear and download no go and search and say okay what did pastor ben say or what did uh you know what was the holy spirit speaking to me and search the scripture to confirm some of the things or if you've got questions the scripture will reveal itself. How many believe that? I, I know I do. The third thing I want to say quickly is that speaking in tongues is not a transcendental experience. And I know that some, if, especially if you're not from a Pentecostal background, you may have wondered. Um, but listen, if you speak in tongues by the Holy Spirit empowering, he enables you to do that. You are not resigning control of your mind, like some would suggest. 
Uh, it's a conscious choice to exercise the spiritual gifts, allowing God's assistance in a language that you don't know. And it's not mystical in any way, really. It's a step of faith. And then a, a couple more uh, spiritual gifts. They're available for everybody, including tongues. And uh, there are really two variations of tongues, which we're going to see here this morning. There's, there's a public use and then the private use. And really what we're going to be focusing on primarily is the private use today, which we can also call spirit baptism or the baptism of the spirit. And every believer can experience that. And the last thing, and I think it's really important for us to say, especially if you come from a different background and this is unfamiliar territory, when you speak in tongues or when you see someone speak in tongues, it is not a status symbol. There's not a better than, okay? Uh, but we do encourage the gift of speaking in tongues, and there are benefits. In fact, that's what we're going to focus on this morning primarily are the benefits or the value of speaking in tongues. Now, as we track through these verses uh, over the next couple weeks, I want to kind of set some expectations um, that we are going to continue to make room for the Holy Spirit to be moving here on Sunday mornings and really throughout our lives, uh, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. But I also want to commit to you this morning, and I want to kind of put some fear maybe aside, is this is not going to be forced. We're not going to manipulate anybody. We believe if it is of God, then we can let God move, and God can help us to grow in these areas. And just if, if you are resistant, I want to say, just, you know, would you open your heart to say, okay, can I learn something new? Can I look at it from a different direction? And can we grow together? And so that's our expectations over the next few weeks. And uh, in a few weeks, we're going to actually take some time in one of our worship settings, and uh, we're going we're gonna to create an opportunity to really be praying uh, for one another and, uh, and looking for uh, the Holy Spirit to be active um, in, in, a, in a special way. And, and Pastor Bob, and I are working on, on what that will look like as well. But this morning, can you turn in your Bibles? We're going to honor God's Word. I'm going to ask that you'd stand, uh, grab a copy of God's Word, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to look at the first five verses this morning. All right, let's read. Lord, I was going to pray. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we need to, pray. We need to read first. <laughs> All right, okay, here we go. <laughs> Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Instead, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Let's pray. Lord, now we'll pray. <laughs> we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray as we track through these verses, God, uh, that there would be an illumination uh, from, uh, that only you can bring. And God, I pray that it would uh, transfer into action and application in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be able to grow in you today as we search out your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. I want to look at verse 1 uh, in particular as we start. 
because there's an argument that is common within uh, the church and not the Pentecostal church necessarily. But then when you look at verse 1, when it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, some people will look at that and they're not sure about spiritual gifts. There's some hesitancy. There's, there's some fear around that. And they say, well, I will just love people and we'll leave the spiritual gifts to the crazies, right? <laughs> I will follow love, chapter 13. But what we see here is that in the same verse, it says, yes, follow the way of love, but we are also called as Christ followers to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I looked that up in the Greek this week, and guess what that means? It means to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And what's interesting, uh, Gordon Fee said that if love and spiritual gifts are, are not kept together, it's harmful. And the entire succeeding argument is missed within the context. I thought that's very interesting. You cannot separate. People who are not willing to follow, to desire spiritual gifts are, and only say, oh, I'll only follow love, or the opposite, say, oh, I'm only going to follow love and not spiritual gifts, we're missing something. They go together. You cannot say, I'm going to love only. Because what love does, it builds up. Well, so do the spiritual gifts. It builds up others. It helps us love one another. And we see that especially with the gift of prophecy. And that's why it says, especially with prophecy. And you say, well, why is that? Why, what's so special about prophecy? Well, I'm glad you asked. When someone is moved by the Holy Spirit and speaks prophetically, um, the purpose, we see it in verse 3. Let's look what it says. In verse 3, it says, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. There are three things there that we see that are brought to the body of Christ. There's two men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And then in verse 5, it says that there is an edification that comes. Look what it says. I would, I'd love that everyone would speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy. Why? Because he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Why? Unless he interprets. Why? So that the church may be edified. There's a building up within the church. Now, there's some guidelines for evaluation here. When we, see, when we know that the Spirit of God is moving, when the prophetic is at work, when you, you may have questioned saying, okay, was that from God? Well, does it comfort? Does it bring hope for hurting people? Does it lift us up? See, I don't believe that the, the prophetic is reading someone the riot act within a church setting. Uh, that's probably not the Lord. Now, if the church is apostate and, and kind of way off and, and uh, there's some discipline issues or some sin, maybe that would be the case. But I believe that in a healthy church, prophecy is valid by three criteria. Does it bring strength, encouragement, and comfort? And if it doesn't, it's probably of the flesh. And it's not for the time within the body or that place. And so some guidance is needed. So when we talk about prophecy... 
We're talking about speaking out the word of the Lord. Last week we talked about how the prophetic is found within speaking, public speaking. Uh, it could be a guest in the pulpit or anyone otherwise. Uh, it could be me as the pastor speaking by the Holy Spirit where there's a nugget of truth that is, is for you in particular, the presence of the Lord in a unique way. And when we look at verse 5 and we look at verse 13 kind of in in conjunction together, it's interesting that uh, prophecy and tongues with interpretation have a similar effect. And I want you to look at that. Uh, verse 5 says, I would like that everyone would speak in tongues, but I'd rather that they'd prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. So when there's tongues with interpretation, so why? So that the church would be edified. The same in verse 13 says, For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. And again, this is in a corporate setting. Why? Because it edifies the church in a similar way to the prophetic. Now, this morning we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit or the uh, prophetic not the prophetic, but the spiritual gift of tongues in a private sense. And let me give you some background. There are two types of speaking in tongues found in Scripture. One is public, and that's the gift of tongues. And we see that in chapters 12 through 14 uh, here, where in a corporate setting, someone speaks out in a language that's unknown previously to them, and, why, and then there's an interpretation that comes to interpret to the body what was just said. And again, why would that happen? It's so that the body would be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted, right? And then Paul is re addressing this in chapter 14 uh, in particular, uh, but there's also a private speaking in tongues and if this is a new idea to you, I want to encourage you to search Scripture. But we believe, I believe, that when you look at the New Testament, that there's a second work of the Holy Spirit for a believer. Some people call it being filled with the Holy Spirit. Others would call it being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being infilled, uh, you know, or uh, like a refreshing with the Holy Spirit. And it's, there's a clear and compelling pattern in the book of Acts in particular, really throughout the New Testament church, where Christ followers, people that had previously accepted Christ, were following Jesus, were asked, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Or have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they were saying, hey, well, maybe I haven't. Or I haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I'm following Jesus. And then they would lay hands on them, they would pray, and then they would receive the Holy Spirit. They would experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, was promised by Jesus. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will baptize you, right? Well, the question is, is well, how would you know if you've received this baptism in the Holy Spirit? And that's a huge subject to try to tackle, and we're just going to touch basically the surface. But the way that the, you could find out in the New Testament is that they began to speak in other tongues. And by the way, I believe that's still the pattern today. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday as he is today, as he is forever. And when that happens, power comes, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And after salvation, there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is a prayer language, which is a wonderful tool to help you, it helps me, walk with God 
It helps you to grow in the Lord. And it's different from the purpose and application of the gifts of tongues, which is found with interpretation in a corporate setting. I hope you're tracking with me so far. So the problem, well, what was happening in the Corinthian church is that they were confusing these two gifts. What was happening is that the Corinthians uh, were coming to church and they were really taking chapter 13, verse 2, where it talks about tongues and of men and of angels. And they, they believed that there was some sort of spiritually elevated uh, state that you could come. And they were coming into the church, into a setting like this, coming together to worship. And everyone was speaking in tongues. And it was confusing. It was out of control. So people were not understanding. There was a lot of misorder. And Paul was addressing these issues. They would show up and everyone would speak in tongues privately. There's private language, but they were infatuated with that ability and there was no interpretation within the mix. And so Paul writes, chapter 13, says, you need to do these spiritual gifts in love. It needs to be understandable and in order in 14 to build up the church, to edify. Otherwise, Paul says, and we're going to see, he says, don't do it. Keep your mouth shut because otherwise it's going to cause confusion. Now look at verse 5 with me. It says that tongues, uh, really, it, it says that tongues, really, the way I see it, it says, I would rather, I would like everyone of you to speak in tongues. So it doesn't diminish the idea that tongues are, are bad or that they're outdated or anything like that, but in a public setting, tongues need to be interpreted. Again, in verse 13, that's the preferred pattern. Paul says, for this reason, anyone who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret what he says. And some people will look at that and say, well, because of those verses, there is no value or very little value to speaking in tongues privately. And I would suggest that that is not the case when you look at Scripture as a whole. In fact, there's high value with the baptism of the Holy Spirit including, or by evidence, by the speaking in tongues. In fact, it's what birthed the Assemblies of God early in the uh, 20th century, in the early 1900s, which has caused, by the way, which is a missiological fact, the greatest missionary movement in the history of the world. Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believers began to seek the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and over the last hundred years, which we just celebrated hundred years, the greatest movement, the greatest outreach in the history of the world has happened by spirit-filled people primarily. And we're a part of that church. That's exciting. And it's similar to the spread of the New Testament church at the beginning of time when they experienced tongues and, uh, in a personal, private way. Look, turn with me first uh, to Acts chapter 1. Uh, I want to I look at something. Jesus, right before he left his church, uh, was going to ascend into heaven. Uh, he said this. He says, you know, his, his disciples are in Jerusalem, and he says that to them. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus had talked about it in his, in his uh, teaching to his disciples and to, and to the others. And for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So the disciples who were following Christ already, they were Christ followers, right? Now they're encouraged to wait to be, until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to come at this time and restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but he says, as you seek me, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And that's exactly what happened. The original 120 in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of that group, the word of God has spread all over the world, has multiplied exponentially. Same thing happened in the 1900s. Early on, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is uh, seen again with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And again, in the last 100 years, an incredible witness across the globe. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea to the ends of the earth. It's a powerful tool. There's a lot of value. And I want to talk about three of the values that are found in Scripture, found in these particular verses in chapter 14. Look with me first. Uh, When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit, or being Spirit-baptized, those are all a private prayer language. And I believe the first benefit or the first value is that a believer enjoys special communion with God. Not a better than, but it is a special communion with God. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when you speak in tongues in your private prayer language, you are speaking to God. I, wanna, I wonder how many of us have ever felt like I have uh, at different times where you feel like heaven is cold or you've lost your zeal Or maybe your heart is heavy and you can't get words out in your prayer. Or maybe you felt like you're prayed, you haven't prayed adequately, or you run out of words. How many have ever been there before? I know I have. When words fail, spiritually or emotionally, speaking in tongues is a hotline to God in a unique way. The Holy Spirit assists us in prayer to God. It's not to men. It's not for others around. It's to God. This really shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Look at what Romans chapter 8 says. Romans chapter 8, we see that, uh, again, Paul talking to the Romans church, uh, church this time, or to the Romans. Romans 8, 26 and 27, look what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you feel weak, when you are down, when you feel like you're out of the game, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according to God's will. The Holy Spirit, church, is active, interceding for us for every single believer. So, when you're weak, pray in tongues. When you don't know what to pray, you pray in tongues. When you're searching out God's will in your life, pray in the Spirit. There's an incredible blessing, a benefit. Now, some have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but they've lacked a frequency of using that gift. Now, I want to just challenge you. 
Uh, they, so there are some that will, will have an experience maybe at a camp or at a retreat. We've got, by the way, 27 uh, of, our, of our students are at a retreat this weekend, and we need to be praying for them this morning as they're wrapping up. They'll be back around 4 o'clock this afternoon, but they're probably in service right now as well. But, but maybe at a retreat or maybe in a service, a special time, and all of a sudden you've, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, and you're saying, well, I did that, check it off the list. No. And what happens is that the enemy will put doubt in our hearts. Say, what? Well, well, is that really from God? Or if you're exploring the gifts of the Spirit, you're saying, was that really from God? And isn't that just the way the enemy does? And it's not just with speaking in tongues. How many know that the enemy would love to bring doubt, saying, are you really saved? How many have ever been there? You've had that discussion? Or is the Bible really true? Or is water baptism really that important? Does it do any good? Anytime there's a spiritual discipline, the enemy will challenge and I want to challenge those of you that have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it's not a once and done. It's a, it's a prayer language that can be used each and every day. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says that we are speaking to God when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in tongues. And it's interesting, as we study, and this is something new, kind of revelation to me. I may have heard this before, but it really came alive that when there's a tongue and an interpretation in the church, which is, you know, more for the public, uh, for the corporate setting, um, it probably should be speaking to God. So the interpretation should be a prayer or a message to God in that setting. Just word, uh, food for thought. And, uh, it's kind of interesting. But there's a second benefit, all right? And we see it it's still in verse 2. Let's, let's read it again. Uh, 14, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. But what happens, it says, but he utters mysteries with his spirit. The second benefit is that a believer gets discernment when they speak in tongues. That there are mysteries with the spirit. There are secrets that are revealed. And it's interesting, anytime that the New Testament talks about mysteries, what we're talking about are things that were previously not known, but now are revealed. It's, uh, it's not the mystery in the sense like a, a, a mystery, uh, a good movie or something like that. And there are lots of mysteries throughout Scripture, and some have been revealed, others will be revealed to come. Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, mysteries of Israel's blindness, the mystery of the rapture, the mysteries of the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one, the mystery of God's will in your life. And in 13.2, it says that we will fathom all mysteries, right? Or when it says, if you fathom all mysteries but have not love, that idea is that these mysteries are revealed and it edifies, it builds you up, it brings a discernment in your life. When you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, not always, it's not always through the cortex of your brain. Speaking in tongues bypasses the mind, verses 14 and 15 say, and we'll, we'll read that in a little bit here, and you pray in the Spirit and in your understanding. And there's understanding that has come. So when you pray in tongues, you're praying God's will. You're uttering mysteries where now there's insight into a situation that you've been praying about. You have uttered mysteries. There were secrets. 
now they're revealed. I can think of an example where you, know, where you may need clarity or direction in your life. You go to your prayer closet and you pray. You pray in the Spirit. You pray in tongues. You're asking the Lord. You're praying in the Spirit and with your understanding. You emerge out of the prayer closet knowing which way to go. And there's a peace that comes with that. That is called discernment. And speaking in tongues will aid in that. There's a third benefit we see in these verses. Look at verse 4 with me. Verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. What I see here is that a believer is strengthened spiritually. Edifying yourself. And what I wanted to say here is that is not a self-centered thing to do. It's the principle of praise and worship or the principle of prayer. In the same way, it builds you up. And with speaking in tongues, there's a high value and benefit to you. In fact, so much so that in chapter 14, verse 18, Paul says a little later in the chapter, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul understood this and he prayed because it was building him up spiritually. There is a devotional value to speaking in tongues. And what some of us need, some, what some of you need, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So some people say, well, you know, I don't really need that. And I'd say, what? Why not? Some would say, well, I'm afraid of that. Or, Why would you be afraid of something that is going to strengthen you? Some would say, well, it's not that important. And I would say, how can you say that something that will strengthen you, that will edify you, is not important? The Holy Spirit with love. In Jude chapter 20, in, uh, or, or Jude verse 20 and 21, listen to what it says. It says, but, dear, but you, dear brothers or friends, build yourselves up, edify yourself up. How? In your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring you to eternal life. So there's a prayer in the Holy Spirit, continuing in love. We see it even there together. It's a powerful, powerful tool. Let's look at verse 5, because there's another principle here. It's not really a benefit, but I want to see it here in verse 5. And we're talking about the, the public or the private uh, gift of tongues here. Paul says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. What I want you to see here is that tongues are for everyone, for every single one of us. Then it goes on to say, but I'd rather have you prophesy. And we've talked about that. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, right? So there's edification for the church. We understand that, that there's understanding, there's order, in Connect 101, we talk about this more in depth, that there's this pattern mentioned uh, that I mentioned earlier throughout the book of Acts where they're, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God uh, touched them, and they began to speak in other tongues. And you say in that it's for everyone. How could Paul say this? Well, he could say that because of what Acts chapter 2, verse 39 says, is that it's for you and for your children and for your children uh, far off for generations to come. Look what it says. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. An infilling, 
And with that, we need to seek it out. We need to ask the Lord, I believe, to change our lives. If we have uh, misunderstandings, for God to bring revelation because tongues are available for every believer. As I was praying and just kind of meditating over this, there was a song that I wanted Bobby to sing, but he wouldn't because he doesn't know it because he didn't grow up in the church really. But in our church growing up, we used to sing a song that kind of went like this. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God, right? And then it says, pray in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. See, you could have done it and people would have just sang with you. But I couldn't get that song off my mind. I was singing it this morning as I was writing out my message. Pray in the Spirit and with understanding. And then the, the whole beginning part, you know, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, how many have been there? Tongues are for everyone, and it's a gift that's available for each and every one of us. Pray in the Spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. Now, there are three principles I want to wrap up with, and we've only just got a couple minutes. I want to share, and then we're going to pray. First is that practicing love and pursuing gifts, they go hand in hand, okay? We're going to talk about this for the next couple weeks. If there's love, then you need to be functioning with the gifts. Do what Paul says, to eagerly desire gifts. And why would you do that? It's to build up the church, and it's to edify yourself as well. Right? There's kind of twofold, two sides of the sword there. But there's a priority, and we're going to see this especially over the next couple weeks, that practicing gifts that build up the church should be our priority. All right? So Paul, he says prophesying is better, or tongues with interpretation is better for the edification of the body. And so we want to practice that. We want to see that in action. We, and we'll talk about that more next week. But there's a third principle, that speaking in tongues, I just want you to know, is a wonderful part of walking with the Lord. And I know many of you have experienced it and, uh, and walk in that on a daily basis, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I see your heads kind of nodding as, we, as I, I'm speaking today. For others of you, you're saying, man, I'm not so sure, or this is new information. And what I want to encourage you is if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that second work of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be seeking it, to start to desire it, to eagerly desire these gifts. You say, well, how do I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's the question of the ages, right? Well, it's pretty simple. I was a kid's pastor for a long time. I've uh, helped teach on this on many, many occasions and on different in different settings, and in every case, whether you're a child or an adult, you need to ask. You need to ask for it. You ask for the Holy Spirit, for the baptism, for that infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so you just ask for it. And then you begin to praise and pray to God, right? Because that's what speaking in tongues will do, right? It says that when you pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues, you're speaking to God. And so you begin 
to do that in your own way. You praise, you sing a, a worship song, you pray to God, and what happens is after you've asked, you are praying, and then by faith, you release control to the Holy Spirit. When words come into your mind, you pray those out by faith. It's pretty simple. Now, I get it. The older we are, the more rigid we become. With kids, you say that, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And we pray, and kids are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. But I want to encourage you, the same can happen. I don't care how old you are. If you're the oldest one here and never experienced this, it is possible, it's available, and it will bring benefits into your spiritual journey. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The reality is that we, if our lives were like a bucket, as fast as we can fill that bucket up with water, the reality is that each of us have a hole in our bucket. We leak. We get drained. We get weak. We become more ineffective. We become dry. And with that, we need to continually be seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled and to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe Scripture gives us a clear and compelling case to seek that, to ask for it, and then to begin to pray and to pray and to praise, I mean, to God. And by faith, the Holy Spirit will come as we release control and he will help us. He will baptize us. He will infill us with his Holy Spirit. Now this morning, as we think about this, there's a requirement. And that first requirement is for us to give our hearts to the Lord. Salvation. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you're away from God, you need to have a right relationship with God first before you'd consider any spiritual gifts. And so this morning, we want to take that moment and say, is there anyone here that needs the saving grace of Jesus to surrender your heart to Jesus this morning? And if that's you and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, get your life right with the Lord, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you or even call you out, but I want to pray and walk with you. How many here this morning would say, Dad, that's where I am today. I need Jesus to be my Savior. Anyone at all? First service here? All right. I don't see any hands this morning. If I could have your eyes on me just for a moment now. The reality is life can get tough. All kinds of situations. We talked about it through the Christmas. There's just a, a myriad of circumstances that could hit in our lives that can cause us to bump along on the road. And what causes that, what happens is that we become weak or ineffective or we've become dry spiritually. And the thing that we often need is we need the Holy Spirit to fill us up again. And this morning, 
I just want to challenge you if that if you're feeling weak or if you've started this year and you're feeling like you don't have any momentum spiritually, to be filled with the Holy Spirit can make all the difference. Or to be refilled with the Holy Spirit can make all the difference. And I want us corporately to ask the Lord, and I only want you to ask this if you're serious, but for the Holy Spirit to fill us up. That we would want everything that God has for us. And so I'm going to ask that you would stand where you are. And I want you just, if you're comfortable, I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. And I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And again, if you're not, if you've got questions, you're saying, hey, not now, I get it. Just be quiet. Don't repeat after me. But you're saying, hey, I trust you or I'm curious. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, would you continue to reveal yourself to me and help me to know you more? Help me to understand you and your gifts of the Spirit. And help me to understand tongues in particular, which I'm understanding is available for me. Would you baptize me in your presence with your Spirit? Lord, I'm asking for everything you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I just want you, we're, just not, we're not going to belabor this very long, but just right where you are, I want you to pray or praise to God here for a moment. And I want those of you that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and this is a regular part of your life, just where you are, just in your own private prayer language, I want you to pray and it'll be an encouragement to others. But let's just take a moment and let's just ask the Lord to continue to fill us up to strengthen us, to bring encouragement, to bring comfort this week, this time in our lives, to take us further than we've gone before, to bring a a further understanding, a, a further revelation. Oh God, would you do that, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, we bless your name. We pray to you, God, Lord, that you are amazing. You are awesome. You're incredible, God. Lord, have your way in our hearts and in our lives, God. Lord, we pray to you. We glorify you, Lord. And Lord, we know that you'll fill us. You fill us, Lord. You touch us with your presence. God, I pray for those that have been filled in previous, but it's been a long time. I pray that they would revisit this, that they would be filled again. They'd be refilled with your presence, God where maybe they felt dry or weary. God, give them momentum as they pray in the Spirit. They experience the benefits of a prayer language, that devotional time with you. Holy Spirit, and I pray for those that have never experienced this. God, as they are open, as they are curious, as they praise you, as they pray to you, God, I pray that you would just baptize them. They would release by faith that gift of the Spirit and it would be supernatural, not mysterious, but there would be power to be a witness, to understand your will. Oh God, I pray. And Lord, that you'd go before us and behind us 
and all around us for your glory, for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name.